Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Amen. 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 You guys can have a seat. Well, Merry Christmas. It's so good to see you guys tonight. And for all of you joining us online, Merry Christmas. As we celebrate the birth of our Savior, as we prepare our hearts and our minds for what you will hopefully do first thing in the morning tomorrow, and that is to celebrate the day that we collectively say that Jesus came and was born into the world, and we celebrate him bringing that eternal divine light that changes our life and lights up the darkness. And if you're new with us, first of all, welcome. We are so honored and excited to have you join us tonight for Christmas Eve service. But I just wanted to share, we've been in this Christmas series where we've been looking at a few places in Scripture that teaches us about light. And it's not just any light or a random light, but the light, the light, capital letters. And while we have named the series This Little Light, what we have learned and what we will see again tonight is that this isn't a little light, it's the brightest light. It's the life-changing light of Jesus Christ that changes life for all eternity for all of us. And so far what we've studied about this light We've looked at Jesus even in his own words, in, in him saying this about himself in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. And then we looked at Simeon, this man who waited his whole life because God said, you will see the Savior and then you will be able to die. And, and in, in Luke 2, we see him holding baby Jesus in the temple and him calling out that Jesus is a light for revelation for the Gentiles. And then last week, we followed the light with the Magi in Matthew 2. And today, we come to gather and worship the light, the light that has come into the world, the light of the world, Jesus. And that leads us to a unique Christmas text. It's not one that's normally shared or talked uh, and, and used at Christmas time, but we find it in John chapter 1. And an unusual Christmas text leads to an unusual message, and you're going to see that tonight as we get into this. But before we do that, I want to celebrate. I want to pause and celebrate um, just what you guys have been doing over this past uh, couple months. Every year we have uh, something called the Joy Project, and every year we invite you, as God leads you to be a part of a Joy Project, and all the funds and money that you would give towards a joy project is then turned around and given back out into the community into the families around us and used uh, to bring joy the joy of Christ uh, into their lives and I just want to pause and celebrate and say thank you you guys gave over thirteen thousand dollars this year for the joy project so yeah let's let's clap for that it's an incredible, incredible thing that you guys continue to reflect the generosity of God in and through your lives, and uh, we were so thankful to be able to just be a conduit into the lives of other families in our community uh, to say Jesus loves you and, and be able to provide for them this, 
time of year. A couple of other quick announcements, just so you guys are aware. Tomorrow, we will have a very special online service premiering at 1030, so you can join with your family, worship together in your home, in your PJs, with your coffee, with your, uh, with your beverage of choice for breakfast, and you can worship together again, 1030. And then next Sunday, uh, January 1st, we will have one service at 1030. Everybody here, family style in the auditorium, so please make note of that. Join us for that on January 1st as we kick off 2023. All right. So as I mentioned um, earlier, the text we're looking at is not a common Christmas text. Uh, it's not. Um, you know, John tells the Apostle John tells a different Christmas story than the most common Christmas text, which is found through the narrative of Luke, Luke's narrative of the Christmas story. And it's not better than Luke's uh, story. It's it's just different, and we need both of them. Luke tells the Christmas story in Luke chapter two with facts. John tells his with poetry. Uh, Luke tells it looking from the outside. John tells it looking from the inside. Luke tells us what happened. John wants us to reflect on what it means. Luke describes an event. John describes a way of being. Luke tells a story of particulars in those days and in that region. It's about particular place and time and people where John's story is cosmic, where he begins in the beginning. It's a creation story. Luke has a focus on the child Jesus where John asks us, as he does tonight, to consider what it means for us to become children of God and to have a true life, a life that shines and is eternally victorious over darkness. And so I want to read what Jesus' proclamation in John chapter 8 verse 12 is before we get into John 1 because I want it to be the backdrop to guide us as we get into John's narrative of the Christmas story. Jesus says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's let that guide us as we jump into John's text. And I'm going to give you three things tonight. Three truths about Jesus as the light of the world. And here's the first one. The light's always been shining. The light has always been shining. It didn't just appear. It didn't just begin didn't just start, but it's always been shining. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John isn't waiting or wasting any time to let us figure out, let the readers or the hearers of his word figure out that Jesus is God. If you were to look back across the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke, again, you would find either a genealogy leading into Christ, you would find the virgin birth, but John, his first sentence was, hey, when was Jesus? He was in the beginning. Where was Jesus? He was with God. Who is Jesus? He's God. Right from the beginning. In the first chapter, John comes and says to us, Jesus came and put on flesh. And that's what we spend our time, this time of year, with Christians around the world meditating on the fact that Jesus, who's co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, has always been, will always be. And He put on flesh and dwelt among us. He came and became a baby. That's, That's amazing. It's incredible. He's the light that's always been shining. There was never a time when Christ, the light, didn't exist. John says the Word was in the beginning. And he uses was 
in the Greek imperfect tense. I'll get a little grammar nerdy for a minute because it's very important to understand what John says to us here. The was was in the Greek imperfect tense, which means was continuing. So you could say Jesus always was wasing, which makes sense in the South. We get that. <laughs> makes total sense. And the Word was God. God in essence and character. God in every way, though He was a separate identity, while also being God. The baby in the manger, God Almighty. Son of God, second person of the Trinity. The light has always been shining. One of the ways the early church fathers tried to help us understand Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man, and God the Father being fully God and fully God, is that human words relate to their inaudible thoughts the way human divine Jesus relates to the invisible God. Meaning, the only way for you to know what's going on in my head is for me to say it. Sometimes you try to you know, think you know what's going on in my head. But the only way for you to really know it is if I say it, right? So, so you want to know about God? You want to know God the Father? You want to know about God the Creator? You want to know what's going on in God's heart? You want to know what's going on in God's mind? You want to know what God loves? You want to know what does He hate? What is He bothered by? And we say yes and amen to the Word of God. But in this text, John's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about the Son. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Colossians, Paul writes this in Colossians 1.15. He says it like this. He is the image of the invisible God. Speaking of Jesus. So do you want to know what God is like? See, Christmas is a time for those who may be wondering, who is God? What is God like? Christmas is a time where you can learn and see that you can know God. You don't have to try and figure out who God is or what He likes or what He hates or, or what He's doing. You can know God. And do you want to know what God does and how he, God feels and what He delights in and what He's harsh toward? If you do, then we put our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The Father gives us the Son so you and I will listen and know His mercy and His love. And in verse 3, John is not slow playing again. He's not slow playing the deity of Jesus Christ here. Who made everything? The Word made everything. Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. Where is Jesus? In the beginning with God. Who is Jesus? He is God. He's the light always shining. John began his, and begins his gospel, in the beginning was the Word. The Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created. So we know from the Genesis narrative, the very first book of the Bible, if you go all the way back, the very first book in the Genesis narrative, God created everything. He did that by speaking, by His Word. So Jesus then is the active agent in creation. John is telling us that the light was shining in the creation and everything that is not God was made by Him. So again, who is the Word of God? Who is the expression of the inaudible God? Jesus, the Word, is the creator of all things. And it states it positively and negatively. He created all things. And nothing, nothing that includes us exists that He did not speak into existence. And, and here's the, the big truth. As the light's always been shining, God's knowable. You can not only know God, you can have a relationship with Him. 
Again, back in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, Paul would go on to say it like this. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things are held together. The light always shining. And, and here's what, what I'm not saying yet, but I hope you're getting. Nothing has overcome the light. The light's always been shining and nothing and nowhere has it ever not been shining. The light's always been shining. Who's the light? Jesus. In his own words, I'm the light of the world. One commenter said this about Jesus being the agent of creation. He said, if you could get a microscope and you could see underneath everything in creation, if you could see past the atoms and past the particles inside the atoms, if you could get as deep as you could, you might just, using our divine imagination, see the tiny little inscription that said, made by J.C. That includes us. No doubt you may receive a gift tomorrow, or you may have already the hat on the back of it or on the bottom of it, made by. And what this commenter is saying, if you could get to the very core, you may see that. Why? Because Jesus created all things by and for himself, which means I was created. You were created for Jesus. Which is why John is making the argument that you can only find life in him, the light of life, which we'll get to in our text. Why? Because that's what we were created for. Now, if that's true, listen, here's how it connects. If that's true, and it is, that is true, then, then man, that should help us. That should really help us make sense of the angst that we feel, right? And this time of year, the Christmas season, it's heightened, right? It's elevated, that angst, that uneasiness, that, that tension or that intensity, all those things. It's heightened, it's elevated, right? Now, if I have been created by Jesus, which I have... Like when you get down into the essence of who I am, if you were to get to the core, right, you might see that little inscription made by J.C. If you find that inscription on me, and you would, then it makes all kinds of sense why my job is never ultimately going to be satisfying to me. Because I've not been made by my job and for my job. I've been made by Jesus for Jesus. And my job then becomes a pathway, becomes a conduit to glorify Jesus and make Him known, reflect His light through my life. It makes sense why my wife, my incredibly amazing, beautiful wife, Christy, is as amazing as she is, and she is, you can take my word for that. Plus, it's Christmas and I need to say things like that. She will never be for me what I most deeply need. Because what I have not been made, because I've not been made by Christy for Christy. I've been made by Jesus for Jesus. It makes sense why my kids, my two incredibly beautiful daughters, as much as I love them, and I do, they will never ultimately be satisfying to me because I have not been made by them for them. I have been made by Jesus, for Jesus. You could, you could say, I have not been made by, and fill in the blank. It could be anything. Sex, money, success, power, prestige. All those things. None of it 
If you don't put Jesus in the blank, then you got it wrong. That's what, that's what John's saying to us. The light has always been shining from the beginning, and He has been the agent of our creation. I've been made by Christ for Christ. And life then, life is found there and there alone. Here's the second truth. The light brings eternal life. Not only has it always been shining, which makes it eternal, it now brings that truth and principle to us. The light brings eternal life. The next section of John, verses 4 through 13, says this. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse 8, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here John gives us the invitation to come into life, salvation for eternity, life, to see and know life through the lens of our Creator, to understand what I was just talking about, that I've been made by Christ, for Christ, and that helps me not worship things that are temporal, but to worship the eternal, Jesus Christ. Now, back to my nerdy grammar lesson. Up until now, all of our verbs have been various forms of past or past continuing. And now for the first time, we have a present continuing. So, so John is not saying the darkness was once beaten, but that darkness has been defeated once and for all. It wasn't a one-time thing that the light overcame the darkness. He's saying that the light overcame the darkness once and for all. It's always been beaten. In fact, if you were to write, if you're someone who writes in their Bibles, you could circle the S on the end of shines. It's present, continuing action. You could even add the preposition on to the word shine. On top of that, because it's present, continuing, you could add the phrase still even, so that verse 5 might read like this. The light shines on, still even now, in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of the world made flesh. The one who was in the beginning with God, eternal. The light always shining. The one who is God in the flesh. His victory over darkness, as seen most fully in His crucifixion and in the resurrection, is continuing to shine on. Nothing overcomes so from before the cradle, which is what we focus on at Christmas, but before the cradle to after the cross, the light shines on and it brings eternal life to us. There's, a, there's another John mentioned in our text here. And the John mentioned there is not the John writing the gospel that we're reading. It's reference to John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He was the front runner of Jesus he was the one who came heralding the good news in the wilderness that there is someone coming. There is someone coming that's greater. He was pointing toward Jesus, testifying, being a witness that the Son of God is coming into the world. And he bears witness with his life that Jesus is the Son of God, the light of the world. 
So, so you have this pre-Jesus John, John the Baptist, that's pre-Jesus. He was heralding in this before Jesus came. Saying, Jesus is coming. He's the Son of God. He's the light of the world, right? There's life found there. Then you have what we would say a post-ascension John, the one writing this gospel. The Apostle John saying, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And both of them will bear witness that Jesus is the light that brings eternal life. John the Baptist by his arrest and beheading, and John the Apostle, church history tells us that he was arrested, they boiled him alive, and he didn't die. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos where he was visited by an angel of the Lord, Jesus, and that's where we get our book of Revelation. So both Johns bear witness about the life. They testify about the life, one before and one after, that Jesus is the Christ. He's also with that saying, listen, the light's always been shining. Jesus is the Savior of the world, and He brings eternal life. In Him is life, and outside of Him there is only darkness So you have these two Johns and their message is the same. You know what their message is? Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus Christ. And then in that same section in verses 10 through 13, he says, again, let me read it. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And I, th- I say thank you, Jesus, for verse 12. That in our rejection, He didn't turn around and reject us. See, that's how you and I operate. That's our economy. Well, if you reject me, well, I'll just reject you. If you push me away, I'll just push you away. Praise God that He didn't do that when we rejected him. Praise God today that if you've been pushing away, he's not pushing back. He's inviting you still home. Verse 10, the love of Jesus is found in the revelation of Jesus, the light coming to us, leaving the glory of heaven and putting on flesh for us. But in this verse, we have what some call the unrecognized revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me show you what I mean. So in Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist writes, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Now, there is something in the heart of humankind being created by Jesus where we look at the beauty of creation, and our hearts long for something. When there is this spectacular sunset or sunrise or we stand in front of a mountain range or for those of us as we live on the coast, we get to stand before the ocean, right? And this look out at how vast and amazing and, and grand it is. And when we're in those spaces, what do, we, what do we feel? We feel small. We feel small in those spaces where we are aware of how small we are. And it feels good to feel small, right? It's freeing. It's it's relaxing. It's peaceful. That's what's happening. The heavens are declaring the glory of God so that whatever you are in, wherever you are in in the creative order, when you see the beauty, you're learning something about the Creator. Who is the Creator? The Word. Who is the Word? The Son of God. Who is the Son of God? Jesus. He's always been shining the light. 
And here we have John pointing us to the unwanted revelation. Jesus comes on a rescue mission. You and I are lost in the dark. You're in the wilderness. Lost in the dark and Jesus has come. And He brings His light. He doesn't need a source of light. He is light. And He brings it to find us. And when we see the light, you know what a lot of us have done? And maybe you are tonight and that's why you're here because God's trying to show you the light once again. But many just turn and run the other way. They're repelled. For Jesus to be revealed as the Son of God, the Christ, the life and the light of the world, and to be rejected is almost always due to two things. Two things. The first one is the idea that we don't need Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I'm doing everything right. I don't, I don't need Jesus. That whole faith thing, that's complicated. There's so many layers, and I don't even understand what all that means. It just seems just too much. So I don't, I don't, need, I don't need Jesus. And the reason we think we can think that is because we believe the type of money that God re- receives and accepts is the money of morality. So we don't think we need Jesus because we're doing great. I'm a moral person. I don't do anything really bad. And I'm certainly not as bad as the person next to me. I'm looking around horizontally. And we can see people who aren't moral. They're not faithful. We see the news. We read stuff online. All that kind of thing. And we're comparing ourselves. And we're like, well, at least I'm not doing that. Therefore, I don't really need Jesus because my money of morality is good enough. And we justify ourselves by measuring our strengths with other people's weaknesses. So we don't need Jesus because we're doing great. Because the assumption is, again... That is what Christ accepts. That's not what God accepts at all. And if we're really honest, if you and I are really honest, even by ourselves looking in the mirror, if we're really honest, we know we're not always doing great. We're not always doing great. And then we, we run. We run from the light. The second reason that we run is the belief that God will reject us. I'm too far gone. I'm, I'm, I've done too many bad things. I've said too many bad things. I've been to too many bad places. God does not want me. God will reject me. So before God rejects me, I'll just reject Him. I'll just reject Him. I'll just, I'll go first. To think that we can somehow out the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. If you hear nothing else, nothing could be farther from the truth. Nothing. Do not believe that horrific lie that you can out the grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ because you cannot. You cannot. If we could all out His grace, then we'd have to ask the question, why would He come to begin with? Why would we even come together tonight? He has come for us. Listen, Jesus has come for us. He wants you. He wants you to be adopted into the family. That's what verses 12 and 13 say. We can be adopted. We can become children of God. For those who receive the light, become children of God. Adopted son of the king. Daughter of the king. It's an amazing truth. It's true, and and it's one that John, the writer, never got over. In 1 John 3, another book that he wrote for us in the New Testament, he would say to us, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. 
Jesus is the light that's always been shining in it. And because of that, he's the light that brings eternal life. And lastly, he's come for us, as I've already mentioned. The light comes. He didn't reject us. He didn't leave us. But John Verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus came and dwelt in our midst, which the Word, the definition of dwelt is He, he pitched a tent, like He moved into the neighborhood, as some translations say, and some commentators say. When He came, and we saw His glories, He came to us, his glory was full of grace and truth. You know what grace and truth are? They're, they are life and light. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like, have you ever felt that you didn't know if someone really loved you or cherished you? You ever have that moment in your life where you're just not sure if someone really loved you or really cherished you? Like they kind of phoned it in or they, or they emailed it in or they sent you a text or, or maybe they just video chatted to you since that's on the rise, right? Maybe, maybe you just, but they were never in your presence. Did you ever feel like, do they really love me or cherish me? And I know that, again, this time of year, those feelings are elevated, Maybe you feel like that with God. You're not sure if God really loves you. You're not sure if God, does God really care? Does He really cherish me as His creation? Does He really understand and know? Is He really there for me? Here's the truth. That's what this verse is saying to us. God didn't stay distant like maybe someone else in your life has. He came to us. God didn't mail it in. God didn't phone it in. God didn't stay in heaven and just simply shout it, hoping that someone would hear. He came to you. He came to us so we could really, really know, understand, experience, and forever hear Him say, I love you. Everything we want to know, could know, about God is found in Jesus because Jesus is God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. The eternal light that brings eternal life has come to us. And He hasn't just come to us, but He's come for us. And He hasn't just come to us and come for us. He's come to lead us home. And one day, we are not going to need these lights. We are not going to need the sun because God himself will be our light for all eternity and he doesn't want any of you to stay in the dark. The light of the world, Jesus Christ has come that we might have a chance to go and be with him for eternity where there will be no need for the sun and the stars of God. It's God himself. Let me finish with a quote and we're going to reflect that light tonight in this room. The theologian pastor from a long time ago named Martin Luther, he wrote this. The sun is not dimmed and darkened by shining on so many people or by providing the entire world its light and bright splendor. It retains its light intact. It loses nothing. It is immeasurable, perhaps able to illumine ten more worlds. I suppose that a hundred thousand candles can be ignited from light, from one light. 
And still this light will not lose any of its brilliance. Thus Christ our Lord, to whom we must flee and of whom we must ask all, is an interminable well, the chief source of all grace. Even if the whole world were to draw from this fountain enough grace and truth to transform all people into angels, still it would not lose as much as a drop. The fountain constantly overflows with sheer grace. That's our Savior. That's our King. That's the light of the world. That's Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, do you need, do you need to draw on that fountain of grace today? Do you need to respond to His call as Jesus invites you to Himself? He invites you in to see His light. To come to Him, find forgiveness, find peace that only He can give to experience His grace. To experience life that is only found in Him. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And for those who come, will find life. Is that you today? Would you respond to Jesus? May this Christmas be one where you truly celebrate and worship the one who has ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father. And again, one day is coming for us and is going to lead us all home. That's the Jesus that we will worship in the morning. That's the Jesus that loves you. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you for not leaving us in the dark. Thank you that we have your Son, the light of the world that has always been, that no matter what has come, no matter what has tried to put it out, nothing, nothing has put the light of Christ out. And his light shines today into our life, into our world, so that we may see life, real life, eternal life, and the path home that one day there will be no pain, there will be no hurt, no sadness, no worry. There will be joy. There will, be, there will be endless amounts of laughter. There will be you, our King and our Savior. And God, for those who don't have that promise, who haven't trusted in Jesus, may today be the day that you draw them home to their repentance and faith in you. May they experience grace. May they have the light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to worship Jesus Christ, the light of the world, by lighting our candles. So I'm going to invite you to stand with us. Go ahead and grab your candle. And as this light moves throughout the room, will symbolize the coming of the light into the world. Spread the flame of Christ through the room tonight. So I'm going to invite you as that happens. As your candle is lit, would you just turn to the person beside you and share that light with those around? And may this encourage us. May it stir us. May it unite us together. May God be glorified and may we celebrate, listen, the greatest gift, the greatest gift the world has ever received.
Jesus Christ. And may you know just how much he loves you. And so as this light goes through the room, we're going to bring our lights down some. We're going to sing together in worship. May our hearts, our minds, and our thoughts be on Christ, the Savior.